What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm your boy, James Jackson. It's my guy, Jake Galley. Just the two of us, man. Back back to the basics, they call this. Back to the, the fundamentals. This is the big two. We're this is... Favorite. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, Carl Sarek, Stat Matt Robertson cannot be with us this week. That's okay. Jake, actually, the last episode of season one, we, we haven't talked about this much, haven't put this officially out on the airwaves. I'm going to do this right now for everyone listening. Last episode of season one. Stay tuned for what we got coming in season two. We'll keep it low. We'll keep it quiet for him. Yeah, it, it, we got some moves in the works. Um, but, I mean, the pandemic took a lot away from us and we're looking to get back to kind of where we were before. So very, uh, very excited to do that. But James, I think we've gone long enough without mentioning. I was trying to, I was trying to put it off as long as possible. I mean, that's, a, that's a, a hurt piece like none other watching those last two games go down like that. I mean, it just must be pain. Yeah, I mean, you could kind of see the writing on the wall, especially after game five when you know, the big three of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre and combined for, what, 81 points or something like that, and we still lose. Like, you're, that's a game you're supposed to win. Your, your big three did its job on the offensive end, and you're a good enough defensive team where you're supposed to win that game. Um, but, like, it, it's – game six was the, was the ultimate gut punch, man. It's just – it started to become and it started to look like Milwaukee was the better team. Game five kind of proved that, and game six was just – the, the further example of they started to become the superior team on both ends of the floor in every aspect. They started to suffocate us on defense and absolutely overwhelm us on offense, dominate us on offense. Took DeAndre Gayton out the game in game six, played him off the floor, which I knew he wasn't going to win the, the Giannis matchup. I didn't know he was going to get played off the floor for, for Frank Kaminsky, right? For Frank the Tank. Um, so, yeah, man, just, just, just a- absolute pain, absolute big. I'll get into the whole Chris Paul thing later. Because you guys know there's always a time in the episode where I go on my Chris Paul rant. That'll be a little bit later. But, ooh, yeah, it's pain. People people say, like, oh, but at least you got there. Like, it's better to have gotten there and lost than ever to get there at all. Nah. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> nah. Because this hurts, man. Yeah, I can imagine, man. Uh, being right on the precipice there. Many teams have sat in that spot. Especially, like, the young team. is. It's really scary. Because... You know, you think back to the Thunder teams that had Durant, Westbrook, Harden, Ibaka. They were stacked. They were, you know, a team that people would point to and say, well, they're going to be the next dynasty. They're going to be, you know, a team that's going to be back here year after year. And they couldn't keep it together. And it never really was. I mean, they, they had some runs, obviously capped by Kevin Durant's ultimately last year there. But you just never know if you're going to be back. So... And we'll, we'll go more into Chris Paul's future uh, and everything, but I do I do want to give credit um, and, uh, before I talk about the Bucks. DeAndre Ayton, by the way, four personal fouls in Game Five, uh, five personal fouls in Game Six. So it was more of the foul trouble, I think, that kept Frank Kaminsky in the game. Either way, no, when you got Frank, when you got little, Frank the Tank little, as your a little bit, but but it was it was out of necessity that Frank had to go in there. Yeah, and you know, I don't really it, it it is what we saw year after year with LeBron. You have a great team, you have a great year, you have one of the best years in your franchise's recent memory, and you run into a buzzsaw. Name Giannis Antetokounmpo, name LeBron James. That's just how it, it it happens sometimes. I mean, Giannis, as we'll talk about going forward, did some things that have never been done before in the finals. It was funny. I was saying this to 
to a bunch of my friends off camera watching the um, watching the finals and after game six, we have a phrase now. When we talk about Giannis, we go certain spaces. Because in certain spaces, Jake, you got to talk about that man Giannis. We, it, it hit everybody like a freight train, like a brick wall. But after the finals, you started to look at it at a macro level, what he's done at 26 the hard way. And I'm telling you, in certain, and people are not going to like in which spaces his name comes up. But just be weary when you walk into some rooms that Giannis's picture is going to be on the wall. Because when you, when you walk, I'm telling you, man, when you walk into the Charles Barkley rooms of the world, the you know what I mean? The, the, the rooms like that. like that, Giannis is up there. He got a ring now. Yeah, he got a Chuck. ring. Like, if he wants to dunk on Chuck's woo. head with that. That door's Ooh. open. You're right. Look, the Scotty Pippen rooms. Like, he's he's in the rooms, man. He's in the rooms. Well, and especially because, like, when you look at all those guys, Giannis did it, A, the hard way, you said. I mean, he never had really, like, Chris Middleton is his best and only, like, really number two that he's ever had. Chris Middleton proved a lot of people wrong. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get on Chris Middleton. We'll talk about the series that he had, but, like. Giannis was the guy put the team on his back through multiple. We'll talk about also. I think this is one of the most difficult paths to an NBA Finals yeah, victory that. in a long time. I mean, you think about it. Let's we get into it right now because they go through the defending champions. Say what you will about their current state. Defending champions, Miami Heat, not a tough out by any means. That's the first round. Second round, they go through the team that's supposed to win the finals. Even though they didn't have their full arsenal, it's still, even without Kyrie, they're still a very good team. Goes down to the wire with them. And then you face the hottest team in the NBA in the Eastern Conference Finals, being the Atlanta Hawks, and you take care of them pretty easily, which leads you to your Phoenix Suns, the best team in the Western Conference this year. I I mean, we were never believers in the Utah Jazz. Once the Lakers were hurt, it was pretty clear who the best team in the West was, and that's who Milwaukee played and beat. So uh, to me, came back down from to be. And, you know, you remember the Boston series where they were on the other side of that not too long ago. They were up 2-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals and lost four. So I just like looking at that arc that Giannis has kind of gone on. You're right. He's in certain spaces now. He has implanted his name in the best of the best conversations. And he's just getting started. He's 26. He's just getting started. He's 26. All this at 26, man. And and the ring, it for some reason, the ring puts like this extra battery pack jolt in his accolades. That it, it makes it zoom past your face when take a ring off the resume and it's still ridiculous. It's still nuts. And, so and, and and you put a ring on it and all of a sudden you're like, wow, wait a minute. Giannis is is like we're talking about Giannis is, is one of the all times now, like very quickly. This and it, you're, it's funny you say that because it did really jump up on you, right? Like mm-hmm. kind of like that, that he became so great. And, and the accolades don't lie. If you look at the past 12 months for Giannis, here we go. Let's let's roll, the, roll these right, off. Roll it out. Won the MVP, mm. won the defensive player of the year. He then in the offseason signs the largest contract ever. OK, that's oh, pretty good. Right, right, by the way. Pretty good couple of months. Then this year, all-star game MVP, middle of the year. No one's talking about the Bucks. They go on this incredible run. He wins a ring. He wins finals MVP. Oh, and to top it all off, he also had his first child in that stretch too. Like that is like a banner Antetokounmpo year for his life. His life. Giannis won. 
the pandemic year. The, yeah. The, oh. the morph year of 2020, 2021, Giannis won it. Like, oh, hands people, down. People talking about Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk throughout the pandemic really coming o. up. They don't got a Larry O. They didn't they do what Giannis Larry. did over the pandemic. You can they keep your billies. They didn't <laughs> Larry O. I don't care. You know what I mean? We can walk on the moon, but you got you to walk in these shoes to win a Larry O. No, it's, it's, it's just something that you really have to come to grips with. That not only is he in those spaces, but he's got, he's 26, man. Like, he really has the opportunity to be in, like, like rare air by the time he's done. I don't want to say anything concrete, but I'm putting myself out there too much. But when I say rare air, y'all know who I'm talking about. Pun intended. Like, he has the opportunity to be in that space if, if this trajectory continues. It's difficult. It's like, to do what he has done is incredibly difficult. 0.001% of all players ever have the accolades he has right now. The gap between where he's at and LeBron and Michael Jordan, in my opinion, like, think about how many times he has to do what he did this year. It seemed incredible. Least, it at, seemed, least, at least FOBO. At least FOBO five more times. That's what I'm saying. It's so, so, so hard. A couple more times. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's it's a neck. It really is almost like an exponential slope. Like, to go from, like, the 50th or, or, or 80th best player of all time to, like, top 25, it's, like, five times harder to go from top 25 to, to, yeah, to top work. five or top 10 or but something. To put it in perspective... Michael hadn't had Michael hadn't done any of this at 26. LeBron hadn't, Kobe hadn't, Shaq hadn't. The only one who did was Magic, and he just happened to be drafted to the Showtime. Lakers. He's got Kareem with yeah, him, yeah, yeah, yeah. and worthy, yeah. worthy with him. He supposed, supposed to do that, but like, there's no, no one's done this at 26. Like, it, it's not just that he did it; it's when he did it and how he did it. Like, he did it the hardest way possible. LeBron got his easy ring, then did it the hard way. Like, Giannis started it the hard way. And what's fascinating to me is to see really where they go from here because now, like, the moves they've made paid off. Like, everyone, I don't know what's more difficult. Being the GM that builds, tries to build a team to win a title or being the GM that once your title team is built, keeping it together to be a contender, keeping all the mouths fed, adding still to kind of fill in those holes. You're going to have a target on your back. People are going to be making adjustments. You also have to change. Um, and that's really going to be a challenge for Milwaukee. They still have probably two or three years, I'd say, before that really, really hits. You've got Drew locked up. You've got Middleton locked up. Giannis, You've got three of them on max deals. All three of them done. And you consider they didn't have probably their fourth, fifth best player this year uh, in the playoffs. Dante DiVincenzo will be healthy as well. So... Maybe there there isn't many improvements, but I do wonder what the adjustment is. Um, because, you know, for years, people were chasing the Warriors, the small ball running around the outside, running around screens. I don't know if there's... And, and that resulted in switching defense. I don't know what the... What, the only what do you I do with the honest? The only thing I can think of is improving in the perimeter at, as much as you possibly can. Because... When these teams do come back healthy, it's going to turn back into a three-point shooting league. And I mean, you're always going to have the ultimate offsetter of that. You're always going to have Giannis, which, which, I mean, it negated it in this series, negated it in the Eastern Conference Finals, and negated it against Brooklyn. Like, 
all these teams are much better shooting teams than Milwaukee. And just having, you know, the, the most dominant force in the NBA offsets that. But like you said, when other teams adjust to you, I think the biggest improvement Milwaukee can make is they're, they're players who can create off the dribble from the perimeter, not just outside shooting. They'll get DiVincenzo back. He's a good shooter. P.J. Tucker, we know, is the best corner three, you know, specialist in the NBA. For, you know, take that for what it's worth. But, you know, that's that's where they're going to look to for some kind of improvement because they don't they still don't have a knockdown three-point shooter. Like, there, there's not a three-point specialist on Milwaukee. You know, and Forbes is kind of the closest thing. Which is crazy. Brooke it's Lopez, crazy. your center. Your center, the closest thing to, like, a kick-out knockdown. Don't because Brooke did cash a few of them things out in game six. He's a... He's a- Huge cog, man. Huge cog in the wheel. But another tricky piece is like you want to go kind of that perimeter oriented style again. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. James is for, for our listeners. James is he was, he was talking to me about the his board, board almost fall and it almost down. just went down in the middle of the episode. <laughs> a little catch it real quick. a little BTS. Okay, but with Milwaukee, you can't you can't even go perimeter oriented fully because look at what the backcourt of Milwaukee did to one of the best backcourts in the NBA. I mean, like, look, Chris Paul and Devin Booker had great series. Devin Booker was able to get his pretty much whenever he wanted to. But that defensive backcourt, you could stack up. Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, you could stack up against a lot of the top backcourts and feel pretty good about it. Um, and then you have Giannis and P.J. Tucker in the paint. So they're built well. Um, let's let's go into now maybe some, some what-ifs or what nows, I should say. And I'll kick this one to you because it's, it's something I am I think all of our listeners are interested in. What's the deal with Chris Paul this offseason? What's next? It, here's, here's just my raw, uncut, you know, thought process, my, my stance on this. As I know the basketball guys, and, and most of the time when they make you wait 16 years to go to your first finals, like majority of the time, that's your shot. You don't you don't get another one when they make you wait this long for it. At least as being the captain of the ship. Like it, it just don't happen often like that. So I think at this point, like I really think it's time to swallow the pride and go join LeBron. Like you didn't want to do it last season when you had the you had the ability to put kind of the Lakers on your wish list to be traded to. You didn't do it. Because you said you didn't want to play with LeBron. And, and I and I get it a little bit. Two alphas, two ball-dominant players who want to facilitate the offense. And it's Chris Paul and LeBron. Like they're they're going to butt heads. But at this stage in your career, going into year 16, 17, it's about what gives you the best opportunity to win a championship. Like, at this point, it's, it's, it's everything else is secondary. What matters most is is which team gives me the best opportunity to win a championship. And Phoenix showed you that they were a great destination, a team that can get you there. But they showed you they're not closers. There's people on that team that just were not closers. You you need like a LeBron-esque, Anthony Davis-esque, Giannis-esque team to win the finals. And there's only one team that wants to go out there and get you like that. The best opportunity is, is LA. And what's, what's tough is... I really, like, for Chris Paul fans, that'd be great. I mean, look, any way you can get to a title at this point. His days as the, as the number one on a team are probably coming to an end. And it would really be awesome to see LeBron and Chris Paul out there. Now, I wonder if there's hesitation. Because if it doesn't go well, 
now you couldn't even win with LeBron will be the storyline. And how does that fray on the LeBron-Chris Paul relationship? Um, They're both incredibly fierce competitors, both, as you said, very like-minded. And sometimes when people are similar like that, it can cause friction, especially as you said, they're both alphas. But it's like that one. Everyone's got that one friend. That's your best friend, your homie. Shout out Spencer McCurcher. This is he for me. That it's your it's your dog, but you know you can't live with. Them. Like I know if we live together, we're roommates, bro. We're gonna fight every day. Just that's just how like we're too similar. Uh, we would clash too much. That's LeBron and Chris Paul. Like you, yeah. my dog. Banana boat partner, but like I can't. I know, I know us too well. I can't play with you. We'd be fighting every day. Okay, so let's the Lakers. I would agree with you. If I had to put money on where Chris Paul is going to be, let's rank them. Let's do like three or four. I personally would put the Lakers number one. Right. It makes sense for a ton of reasons. Pretty much every reason you're looking for it, it makes sense. The only reason he would not do it is if he wants to go to option number two. Well, money. That, that's, I'd say, option number gonna, three. Yeah, option. That was my second point, is he's going to have to bring the price down. But he wants 100 mil. It's not going to happen. Right. At the Lakers, you're you're kind of giving up on that. Correct. Um, he has the option to run it back. I would say that would be option yeah, number yeah. two, in my yeah. opinion. Run it back with Phoenix. See what it is. You've endeared yourself to that city. Maybe that's where you, 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 you finish it off. What's option three? Option three is you, is you, is you do not sell out. You want your 100 million and now I'm going to offer you up a couple of teams that potentially Chris Paul could go to no I don't like the way you're phrasing this no and like you the, tell me like of those teams which do you think would work the best which do you think is the likeliest for him to go to okay all right so we'll start out first and foremost I won't literally go where you think I'm going. Literally killing me. I won't go where you think you're going. Literally we'll go to the wait, 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 wait. the team that has been active in trying to acquire a star. Every deadline, it seems they're always mentioned. The next, the Miami Heat, a culture that has produced rings before, a culture that hit one of his friends. You know that whole banana boat crew. Dwayne Wade was there. Jimmy Butler is a hard charging guy, just like he is. Jimmy are cool too. I don't know if they'd be able to swing the finances, but that is theoretically a good fit and a good culture for Chris, Chris Paul. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even the scheme fit. Half court team, defensive minded team, you know, gritty team. Yeah. Okay. All right. Option door number two. We'll do four total teams. Two. We're gonna go to the Big Apple. The big spenders up in New York, they need a star. They need it. They will do whatever. They're going to they're going to outbid everyone. The Mecca. The New York Knicks, MSG. That's your thoughts there. Because that, that doesn't lead you to a championship. That doesn't lead you to a championship. It's not a bad team though. That you're still in the playoffs, you're still relevant, you're in the Mecca, you're in, still in the limelight. That is about like 70% money, 30%. I still want to compete. Because they're gonna outbid everyone, but really that's a second round exit pretty much at i mean it's 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 like it's a little bit better than the thunder but it's worse than the Suns. right you know what i mean so that i get like second round maybe eastern conference finals vibes if everyone gets hurt again caveat if they're like the three seed and they win like like next year let's say he goes there they're the three seed they win their first round matchup the buzz around chris paul in new york from the media, from those fans, they won one game this year. Buzz, Would be literally insane. Yeah. But right, okay. So we have the Knicks. Okay, give me door three. 
Door three, my favorite door, personally. It How about... Sense. They've made sense so far, so I know these last two are going to... Well, that last one is, is, I'd say, the most out there. And then number three is, you guessed it, our Philadelphia 76ers I here. Yeah, yeah. You got Couldn't me? Wait, look. Couldn't wait for it. Couldn't wait for it. I got to mention them somehow this episode. This was the easiest. You should have just made a one for all this. You're trying to talk about So, three. Ben would obviously have to be gone for this to work, but if they maybe... Um, do some sort of sign and trade. It would take a three-way. It, it would be tough, but just in terms of fit. Couple people. In terms couple. of fit, in terms of fit, it's one of the best. I just think it's not a realistic option because so much would have to happen to make the money work. Y'all have three people making thirty million dollars next year. So one, if not two, need to go to make room for Chris Paul. You guys are so strapped to your salary cap. It, it'd be crazy. Or he'd have to take like a mid-level and and really really humble himself to go win a championship. But in terms of chances to win a championship, that's got to be up there. Right. Like, we know Chris Paul's best running mate is a wing scorer and a, a dominant big man and a really good big man who can run in the pick and roll. Philly theoretically has a wing scorer in Tobias when he wants to show up and has a dominant big man. So, like, it, it scheme finish your work. Right. And then the last one here, this is, there's really no strings at all that like could tie these two together, but it's just in theory and it's fun. And it's something that I think when we're not talking contenders, this is the first team that comes to mind as like you add Chris Paul, you really elevate. How about the Dallas Mavericks? Luka Doncic, budding star. You got the big man. In Kristaps Porzingis, you've got the franchise that's committed to winning. You take, you're taking Luka off the ball? I'm not taking him completely off the ball. I think it's a similar system. He turns into a little bit more of a Devin Booker. He still has the facilitation aspects, but as I've said on the show, you cannot win in the NBA at a high level with one person with 40% usage rate. You can't do it. You can't do it. Like, I don't care how Luka Doncic is amazing and he compiles these like Russell Westbrook type games, but... I, inv- I invoke the name for a reason. Look at when he uses the ball 40% of the time. It's just not winning basketball. And so I think Chris Paul. going to like take a lesser. He said, he said change his role. And I think Luca's saying like, I'm got to be the point guard. I'm just the point guard because no one else can do anything help. with the ball. Yeah, I got to right. have the ball all the time. Uh, Pat Beverly is all over Chris Paul instead of him for a playoff <laughs> series. He loves love it. it. It's worth the signing. He love it. He love it. So rank them. Rank. Uh, we have the Heat. We have the Knicks, Sixers, and Mavericks. I'm going Heat, Sixers, Knicks, Mavericks. And to be honest, I'm only going Sixers second because it's so like it's 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 just unrealistic for it to happen. If it could happen, if that, yo Daryl would be he, he he's fiending now. You put him in spring <laughs> now if he pulled this one up because. That's not it's the same man who dumped his contract when everyone said Chris Paul's contract is immovable. He said, "Hold my beer." And he's got the Doc Rivers tied. There's a lot of strings tied. Like I said, there's none for Dallas. There's a lot for Philly. I don't yeah, know how he feels he about Doc, Doc Rivers. I think him and Doc got a little, little bit of a sticky, you know, sticky situation there. Yeah. It's the whole fallout with the Clippers. Um, but hey, winning cures all. If we can come in this thing and 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 turn it around and win a championship. You sending you sending Ben to Phoenix and putting him. I don't know if he would go to Phoenix. I I mean, look, like Phoenix. That's he. He's Kendall Jenner's ex boyfriend. Buck dates Kendall Jenner now. You can't do that, man. That'd be crazy. That would be tension. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Tension in the locker room already. But what we didn't talk about with this finals, we talked about a lot of you know 
Milwaukee's point of view and and what they did do. Let's 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 have some self reflection if we're the Phoenix Suns a little bit too, and and talk about their series because it wasn't all bad. Like games one and two, my goodness, we thought people thought it could be a sweep, and then all of a sudden they lose four straight games, and then you know the going got really tough for them, and. There are a lot of things that led to it. I don't know if there's one direct lead to what happened, but I got to say the pattern of Mikel Bridges is what I noticed so much. Of In games one and two, he's one of the best players, not just on the Suns, he's one of the best players on the floor. And then in four straight losses, including two very handed losses, and anybody looked like they had much chance. Mikel Bridges is is absent. I don't, I'm not going to call it a choke. I'm not going to call it one because you know I know my guy. It's from the six one zero. Got to you know got to got to have love for him. But I can call a spade a spade. And when Mikel Bridges showed up, the Phoenix Suns were that, were just that much better of a team. I I said Mikel paced the Suns in a sense that Mikel's bar and then where the stars fell in in relation to that bar kind of told you where the game was going to go. So if he had a good game, and then you have Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre all above that bar, the Suns are going to win. If he has a bad game, and stars are under that bar as well, or with that bar, then, you know, we get the output that we got. And when he didn't show up, the Suns didn't show up. I, you know, I, to me, and he had a couple of really impressive games, but I point the finger, I, well, I, I, I'm saying I point the finger at Devin Booker a little bit here. Uh, he has the 40 ball, you know, that, that's kind of his role. It's what you expect out of him in a big game, but overall the entire series, he's shooting 26.8% from three, like that. That just simply can't... I mean, he's 10% below his season average, his career average. That's a... Especially you look around, like... Chris Paul's three-point percentage, 52.2%. Mikael Bridges, 42.9%. Jay Crowder, 41 Cameron Johnson, 43.5%. There's a lot of opportunities being made off of what he and Chris Paul were doing, but Devin Booker himself wasn't as efficient from deep as they needed him to be. Uh, and... And again, we we gave credit to Milwaukee already. That defensive backcourt is tough. Whether it's Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton checking you, like those are two tough defenders. But maybe the moment got a little bit to Devin Booker. Um, it's hard to say. Again, I keep going back to the forty point game. Really hard to say that when he's got a forty ball in the finals staring you in the face. Yeah, but, but 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 eyes don't lie. Like like real hoopers know. You can see the eye test. Game six was he had good looks at the basket looks that Devin Booker normally makes. And a lot of it, you know, was just shots are not falling. But, you know, shout out to, to our guy, Kyle Sirik. Two episodes ago, he said it straight up. I fear for Devin Booker's consistency. And we saw a, a tale of two, you know, a tale of two games in game five, games five and game six. So I, I completely agree. Like, it's, it's okay to to look at Devin Booker and say, you didn't give us what, you, what we needed you to give us to win. Point blank. Like we can give you all the all the credit in the world for what you did, but it's like a, when we needed you most, like you didn't show up. 
And in a selfish way, it makes the pill a little easier to swallow because Chris Paul was pretty much the only one who showed up in Game 6. That's what I, I was going to say. Great. He didn't play great, but he was literally the only one who showed up in Game 6. Do you remember we were talking last episode? I'm like, it would be really terrible if he went out bad. He didn't go out bad. He like he, he, bad. that, that, he right, exactly. He, it, it is, it makes the pill easier to swallow it, because it, he did have a good from, last game. Now you, you notice the chatter changed a little bit. After game five, it was his legacy is down bad. He's no longer top five. After game six, everyone was like, hey, you know, you know, give it up for Chris Paul. You know, still a winner, still a champion, 16 year wheel. The, the, the chatter changed a little bit. They let him down a little easy. It's difficult too. I mean, like, what are you gonna do? Like, like it's not like they weren't competing. It's not like they weren't, you know, doing everything that they could. They, Milwaukee's best punch was better than theirs. Ooh, what can you do? Sometimes it's all it is. I challenge you to tell me. I challenge anyone out there to tell me who's beating that Giannis. Not, not who's beating Giannis. Who's beating that you know, fifty and ten Giannis? So who's before. Before we move on to some draft talk, I just want to say I did read a story. I think it was maybe this was Giannis is doing, but he would practice when practicing free throws. He had his pregnant wife run suicides because it would it pained him to see ones that he loves, his coaches he would have run when he missed a free throw, and that was his way of getting himself to improve, to lock in, to take it deadly serious because he didn't like seeing and like. The thoughtfulness really comes through too with like when you hear his quotes, he really does have a chance to become the face of the NBA. So our hats are off to uh to Giannis and the Bucks, despite my naysaying. Uh Matt, Matt yeah. was the only one who, who picked the Bucks out of our panel. He picked Bucks in seven. They did it a game earlier. Um and we can move on after this statement, but when when Giannis goes seventeen of nineteen in a closeout game, the Bucks were destined to win the finals. There wasn't an area thing. The basketball gods had spoken at that point. Correct. And with that, we now turn, like the NBA world does, to the next spectacle. Football season, baby. On the docket. It's draft season as well. Draft in six days from this recording, July 29th. And even though he could not join us today, our guy Kyle Sirik has a little bit of a breakdown here. Let's hear what he has to say. What's up, guys? Sad I could not be on the podcast, but I'm going to chime in. First of all, shout out Giannis. I don't want to change my opinion on superstars much, but I've been hating on him a little bit. And uh, I'm actually a fan. He made me a fan. So congrats to the Bucks and Giannis. But the NBA draft is next week, and I'm going to kick off the discussion for you guys. First, Kate Cunningham, number one overall pick. No doubt in my mind, he's the best player in this draft. Obviously, there's a lot of talent, so it might not shape out this way, but I think you have to take Cade. Two, I'm looking at the Jalen's, obviously, Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs. Me, I'm taking Suggs. Uh, basketball IQ off the charts. Um, I actually expect Jalen Green to be the better player in his first year, but I think Suggs will have the better career. It, it's really a toss-up, two different type of players, but I'm taking Suggs. My number three prospect is Jalen Green, um, but I don't expect him to go number three. I expect Evan Mobley to, who is my number four prospect, big man out of USC. A lot of potential there. Just needs to put on some more muscle. Already a good scorer and rebounder. And then five, Jonathan Kuminga, who to me is the biggest question mark of these top five. Um, I'm not sure what he looks like at an NBA level, but we're going to find out. And I think the potential is so high that he's easily the number five prospect. Other draft thoughts, if Scotty Barnes goes in the top eight, some team made a mistake. Uh, I don't understand why they think he's getting picked six. Every mock draft, um, I don't see it. So 
anti Scotty Barnes top top eight. Um, a guy that will go where I think Scotty Barnes should go, which is around 13, 14, is Davion Mitchell, who I think really good should be a top 10 pick out of Baylor. And lastly, Cam Thomas will be the steal of the draft. He was getting mocked in the second round a couple weeks back. Now he's up into like the 22 to 28 range. I think he's for sure a lottery talent. Uh, pretty much just Anthony Edwards with less athleticism, but a better shooter. Um, and did similar things in the SEC that Anthony Edwards did. So look out for Cam Thomas. Uh, I thought Tyrese Maxey was a steal for the Sixers last year. I thought he was a lottery pick. Cam Thomas is my guy that Maxey was last year. So I want to hear what you guys think about what I said and what you guys think about the draft overall. I'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah, so a lot, lot to unpack there about what Kyle said, but a lot of good things. First of all, we can get this out the way from the door. Kate Cunningham is the consensus number one overall pick. Um, the Pistons would they go down in infamy if they did it again. If they if they passed on, you just can't. You just can't. Especially if streets are talking like this, you gotta just do it for pure pressure at this point. Kate Cunningham's going to be like a really, really, really good NBA player. Like player. he draws a lot of comps. Um, one that I saw the ringer throughout there, which this should tell you all you need to know about the way that people used to talk about this man, a shorter Ben Simmons with a jumper, AKA LeBron James. Yeah, yeah. They were calling Ben Simmons LeBron James when they were like, Oh, if he gets yeah, yeah, a jump shot, yeah. right? Like, how, like, that's just like a ridiculous comp in my opinion to make, but like, so not Ben Simmons, like his reservation. Right. But it is, I was going to bring up, it is very similar almost to the Ben Simmons draft where like the entire year, everyone's like, yeah, that kid's the number one pick. That kid's the number one pick. And there really isn't much deeper to it. There was some Brandon Ingram buzz towards draft night, but like it was pretty much wire to wire Ben Simmons. It's been the same way for Cade. Yeah, we're we're fighting for number two. Speaking of that, Kyle mentioned um, the Jalen's, Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs. I was a huge Jalen Green fan um, before he went to the G League. Obviously, him going to the G League, he played it a lot of times where I'm not watching. So, obviously, got to see more of Jalen Suggs than I did Jalen Green. Um, but they both really impressed me coming out of high school and both impressed me in their one years, you know, either in college or in the G League. I would probably have to go Jalen Green over Jalen Suggs. And I, I actually think the reverse of what Kyle thinks. Kyle thinks that Jalen Suggs is going to have the better career. Jalen Green is going to start out better. I think the opposite. I think Jalen Suggs is going to start out better and Jalen Green's going to have the better career. Um, I just think Jalen, I see Jalen Green's ceiling as much higher um, than Jalen Suggs's, you know, but they're both going to be really good players. This is like the, the cold war of the NBA is the battle of the Jalen's who goes higher. You look at Jalen Suggs on the number one team in college, literally has a massive shot in March Madness. This guy's all over the NCAA. He is the NCAA's poster boy for all intents and purposes. This year, Cade Cunningham on a lesser team, so that, that's why I, I make that point. Jalen Green, on the other hand, is now this newfound NBA G League route, sidestepping college, sticking it to the NCAA, even though the NCAA ended up changing their NIL laws. And you're going to see play out here if Jalen Green goes above Jalen Suggs. They're essentially commensurate. They both kind of, they're both guards. They both are named Jalen. And they're both top three prospects. Like, this is, in, in a sense, like the Cold War capitalism versus 
communism, who's gonna win? Like it, it just, just goes goes right. domestic, yeah. And I think with the second pick, we're gonna see that battle go down. Now, I wouldn't count out Evan Mobley there. I don't think and, and let let's put on our Houston Rockets cap for a second, because I want to dig into this a little bit. Right, okay. If you're building the Houston Rockets, you're your, your team going into next year, the, the note, I'll click off the notables that you have from this past season. John Wall closed the season strong. They shut him down. You have Kevin Porter Jr. who is showing flashes of like top end finishing ability. You have Jay Sean Tate, who I think finished third in rookie of the year, fourth in rookie of the year. De- decent rookie. And then you have Christian Wood, who you signed to a very big contract who plays the four for you. Do you pick with John Wall in mind, I think tells you where they go. If you say yes, they do, then I'd say they probably go with Evan Mobley and try and fit him in as their five, as their center. If you think, you know what, they're not going to care, they're going to build for the future, that leans you more towards one of the Jalens, and in my opinion, I'd say Jalen Green's the better player. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Um, I think I think them having Christian Wood is going to make them stray away from Evan Mobley a little bit. Um, because he's your best player, that is that is your future. That's the guy you just signed to a big contract. If if I'm going to choose to build, I'm not going to draft someone who's going to be in that in that star player's position. They're very similar players too, by the way. So if I if I'm going to do that, all things considered, I'm going to go Jalen Green. I think he can fit into the offense and be, you know, a, a wing player next to John Wall. Jalen Suggs is more of a point guard as Jalen Green is more of a shooting guard. I put him next to John Wall. I think he'd be in the offense better. So you said you're going with, I'm sorry, you broke up at the, you say you're going with who? I'm going Jalen Green. I'm going Jalen Green. Green. I agree with you. I think that he slides in very well and you could maybe even play Kevin Porter Jr. at the three. Uh, Funny enough, I love the Ringers draft guide and they, they do shades of for their player comp. Mobley has shades of Christian Wood is his comp. Like, (laughs) hey, if you like Christian Wood, we could get you another one of those guys. Um, Um, Another thing I wanted to say, I wanted to comment on what Kyle said. He says um, his steal of the draft, my steal of the draft is James Bucknight out of UConn. And he, he draws very, my eye test draws very similar comps to Zach Levine in his slashing abilities, explosiveness, um, his ability to shoot off the dribble too. He's becoming a much better three-point shooter. And UConn had a, a quietly very good season. Um he was hurt for a little bit, but came back, exploded on the scene. So, you know, coming out of a very, you know, tough and tested Big East conference, having a pretty good tournament as well. Like, he's my guy that I wouldn't be surprised go in the lottery where everyone goes like, really, James Bucknight? Like, I would, I would not be surprised, especially when you start getting to teams, you know, like the Kings, the Magics, teams who could use anything, like just best player on the board type teams. I think James Bucknight could fit into anywhere. And. It makes you wonder because I, in my opinion, I think you start to look at him through the six to, like you said, eight, nine, ten range. But can a sleeper be from the top ten of the draft? I that's more nitpicking. Um, a guy who I have pegged and he's probably going to go ten to fifteen is one of the European big men, Alperin Sengun. Sanguin, Sengun. He's Turkish. Uh you really should watch some tape on this kid. For an Eastern European, he may be one of the most athletic I've ever seen out of Eastern Europe. 6'10", 
perfect roller to like you could slide him in next to any guard that really works well off pick and roll he can pop well and his finishing ability like the amount of times on this highlight reel i don't know if you want to if you click on the name in the script you could bring it up this man finishes through the chest of people like he's like dominique wilkins or something he's a 610 eastern european dude just he does 360s in game he does bouncing off the backboard like this He's great, like, and he, he, like, all European, uh, you know, born and bred prospects, very good with moving the ball, little undersized, but he's a guy who, when I look at steals of the draft, you put him on the Pelicans as their four or five. I'm looking you at let, the Pelicans too, man. I'm, you I'm, maybe put him as the five next to Zion, and he can kind of work that, almost like how, how Sabonis is used in a similar way, where... You can use him pick and roll. You can use him on the post. Um, maybe you get into a little bit of trouble when you go up against the Joels, the ADs um, of the world. But he's a guy who I have my eye on as someone who can really... But he's only 19, and I think he's a guy who could really grow into a pretty great player in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, and I'm looking at the Pelicans, too. Like The Pelicans are, are in a very peculiar situation where they just had the number one overall pick two years ago. And they're in a position to get a, another very high-level player to pair with that, and really like cement their foundation and, and their and their core pieces moving forward. Like ten is ten is a big pick for the New Orleans Pelicans. It's it's also a big pick because take this into consideration for the Pelicans. When you look at Zion Williamson, that was just his second year in the NBA, correct? Mm-hmm. You now have like you want to talk about pressure. You now have two years to keep Zion Williamson, give him a reason to stay. No, if I'm Zion, I do not want to stay there. You see him you see them with the revolving door of coaches. You want this guy? Or you didn't like him? Okay. What about this guy? Or you didn't like him? Okay. Like, yeah, keep moving. So if you're trying to play to Zion's strength, all right, we, we only have two years. We have to build around Zion. Kind of almost a borderline similar position that Milwaukee was in um, a year ago, two years ago, trying to build around Giannis in fear of him leaving. Who do you, what position, let's say, do you take? Do you go stretch big? Do you go ball handling guard? I mean, they have a lot of guys on that team that theoretically should should have like a role. J.J. Redick has a role. Um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker has a role. Josh Hart has a role. Like, And those are a lot of guards, too. But all those guards are on the block right now. All those right. guards have interest from other teams. I think the Pelicans are going to target guards for that reason. And I think it's... It might be why they haven't traded anybody yet. We got to see who we get before I, I see who I'm willing to go out the door. I don't want to put myself in a pigeonhole. Now I'm trying to fit a square peg in a round hole on draft mode. Um, but I do think they target a ball handling guard. So they have the liberty of trading someone like Lonzo Ball with high trade value on the market to now go get a, a nice veteran piece. And now we have a solid team to actually take into, you know, the regular season. I definitely see them going guard. Um, so you can get anybody like a Sharif Cooper, you know, can can easily go at ten to the Pelicans. Um, you know, players like that who Jared Butler, who's going to be there probably at ten. You know, Kyle mentioned Davion Mitchell, not as much of a point guard, but still a nice solid guard uh, could be there at ten. So they got options there in the draft. I'd like to see them go primarily guard. So let's go back now, backtrack a little bit. Get back to the fourth and fifth pick. Look at this board. Um, I don't know if you so, yeah, dude, I, that's the board. The board for our listeners is progressing very poorly. Take it off for dear life. Dear life. There may be a clatter in the background. It'll be the board hitting the ground. But when you look at the fourth spot 
Um, we we mentioned Ke- or we mentioned Cun- Cade Cunningham. We mentioned both the Jalen's and then Mobley as well. That probably makes up your top four in any sort of order after uh, Cade goes. Now let's look at number five because Kyle had some takes about some guys that were for the good and for the bad that are uh, slotted in at number five. So let's just start looking at the two forwards that are projected around this pick. Scotty Barnes and Jonathan Kuminga. You take your pick. Who are you taking and why if you are the Orlando Magic at number five? I don't want this to sound like hate because I don't hate Scotty Barnes, but I'm with Kyle. If Scotty Barnes goes inside the top 10, someone made a mistake. Someone made a wrong pick. I just don't, especially him painting himself as a point guard. And I think that one year at Florida State showed that he might be better off the ball and more of a forward spot than he is a 6'9", you know, you know, point guard. They just straight up, Leonard, I mean, Leonard Hamilton put him to the bench because he's not a point guard. He started coming off the bench at Florida State. And I think Jonathan, Jonathan Kaminga has the opportunity to be like a generational type talent. Just his size, his strength, his finishing ability can shoot from the outside too. Like he's a, he's a little specimen that, that Jonathan Kaminga is. I think it's a no-brainer that he is. If it's, if it's a toss-up between him and Scotty Barnes, I think it's a no-brainer that you know, you're taking Jonathan Kaminga. If Jonathan Kaminga would have went to the NCAA, he might have led his conference, his team, whatever. He would have led somebody in score. But he's that good. Here's here, here's my problem with drafting Jonathan Kaminga. Like, the team comp of Orlando, how many times are we going to do Like, do you know the SpongeBob? How many times do we have to teach you? Random scattered talent. They literally will take anybody at this point. But here's the common thread between all the, like, Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac, Chuma Okiki. Like, Quit it with these often injured defensive first, like wings, bigs. Stop picking them. You already have enough of them. And both of these guys kind of fit into that description. Okay, okay. Scotty Scotty Barnes is more there than Jonathan Kaminga. Jonathan For sure. Kaminga is way is more offensive minded. I was about to say that he's the anomaly of those four, but he is but he is kind of still in that lane. But Scotty Barnes is is sitting at that table with the rest of those three. They are the same. Scotty just calls himself a point guard, which I just don't think that is. He'll get used. I I agree with you. I think he's probably more of a forward in the NBA. And look, there are a lot of great cases where you take a guy who either, like Kuminga, has a very strong athletic profile or, like Scotty Barnes, is somewhat versatile and is defense first and then grows that offensive game. We've seen recently Matisse Thibel, granted he went in the 20s, as a player just like that. Kawhi Leonard, similar, he went later. So maybe top top five, top 10 is maybe a little bit of a stretch, but I'm not down on him totally as a prospect just for the Orlando Magic. I probably, as you said, would take Jonathan Kuminga, uh, which then makes two Ignite members in the top five. That That's a big one. That's a big strike Trends, in the like, Cold War. Trends, I mean, Ignite already got their next, um, they already got their, their next wave coming in. So that, that would be... That would be huge. So then let's just put a bow on our top five here. We have Kate Cunningham going to the Pistons. We have Jalen Green going to the Rockets. Uh, number three, actually, did we touch on number three? I kind of skipped over it. Number three, we have Mobley. Yeah. If if Green goes number two, we have Mobley. No, Mobley at three. I, I, I think it has to be. It has to be Mobley at three. If, two and three are kind of interchangeable to me, but if we have Green at two... Put Mobley at three. If it's either of the Jalen's at two, in my opinion, like I don't know how Cleveland adds on another guard after another picking guard. Sexton, another, and Sexton and Garland. 
Garland, right? And and Okoro, who's not a guard, but you know, right. another, another wing player. Closer to that range. Right. So then we have Mobley at three, and then Suggs at four to the Raptors with Jonathan Kuminga to the Magic, rounding out our top five. Uh, I gave my sleeper, Alperin Sengun. James, do you have any guy specifically beyond Cam Thomas that you want to point out and, you know, kind of plant your flag? Um, Not anyone big, crazy sleeper. I do just want everyone to look out for Sharif Cooper. This is a guy, it's, it's a name that people know, but it's not, you didn't get to see him play in college because of his eligibility. Um, then he got hit with a COVID, then he got hit with an injury. So I, I, I believe he only played about like maybe six or seven games total in his freshman season at Auburn. But this is a dude who is going to be the, like the next, you know, scintillating point guard, at least in this draft class. Um, very fast twitch, uh, very, you know, great vision for his size, great finishing ability around the rim, can finish with either hand, an underrated jump shot. Um, is going to be a master in the pick and roll, which in today's NBA, if you're a master in the pick and roll, you're going to find yourself on literally any NBA roster. Um, so he's, he's going to be a name. Uh, I just, people got to watch out for Sharif Cooper. I'm a big believer in Sharif. I'll keep him uh, back in mind. One last guy before we head to the countdown uh, that I definitely want to point out who made some waves in the NCAA tournament is Moses Moody. You need to find this picture online of him standing like this with his like head kind of horizontal and his left hand is on the ground and his right hand is on the top of the door frame and he's only 6'4". Like, that doesn't make sense. As something like that, uh, I would have to find out his exact measurements. I know that it is, um, and you know, like NBA, incredibly disproportionate you know, to his NBA body size. Draft scouts just absolutely cream themselves when it comes to wingspan and measurables. Stuff that does not matter. They absolutely cream themselves when it comes to it. So, so he is six four and a half with a seven one wingspan. Uh, I mean, that's crazy. Someone's going. So that's that's another guy where, like, if you're a top 10, if you're the Pelicans, maybe, and you want kind of that, if if you're going to get rid of Lonzo and you want to take a chance on another guy who could be that kind of two way player for you, maybe Moody goes top 10. Uh, He's a guy who, again, I think will shoot up boards, like you said, just because of his that crazy wingspan. Someone's got to say, I can do something with that. Someone's got to. Correct. All right. Let's move on into the countdown. Done the done the draft talk. Get to the countdown. Jake, go ahead. Number five. The number of teams to win in the finals went down 0-2. That being the 1969 Celtics, the 77 Blazers, 06 Heat, 16, 2016 Cavs, and the 2021 Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I obviously think the Cavs are the most impressive 0-2 comeback. Um, where do I, I'd say? I mean, we weren't old enough to watch Celtics and Blazers, but between the Heat's and Bucks, sorry, Heat and Bucks, the 80s, they, 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 they lose. Don't count. They, 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 well, you know, you know what they do. Doesn't count, but they lose automatically. Sorry. <laughs> you know what they do. You know. The the yeah, you, you get put through the the merger filter. Hmm. Oh, you're too it's old, NBA, huh? It's NBA chips. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would actually have to go. After Cavs, I think I might go 06 Heat because that is a 
Dwayne Wade in his third year leading that kind of comeback, 36 points a game in the finals, finals MVP. Like that, that's that's on your biggest stage, your first finals run too. That's that's incredible to do. That's that's yeah. really incredible to do. So I might have to yep. put him right above Giannis's run this year. And because I'm still kind of salty about it. All right. Number four. The number of former teammates PJ Tucker took down in Milwaukee's finals run. Trevor Ariza with the Miami Heat, Clint Capella with the Hawks, James Harden with the Nets, and Chris Paul with the Suns. That is just the tip of the iceberg when you talk about PJ Tucker's story. Um, undrafted, then goes overseas, plays for five years, comes back, is on the G League, you know, bounces around the league. The Suns finally give him a shot. He makes a name for himself, and then we're an NBA, we're NBA champions. What do you say in the locker room? They can call me a lot of things. But you you got to call me a champ now. Yeah, and he is like the consummate like fourth, fifth man on the starting lineup. Like exactly what you want out of like a non-star, uh, kind of like grimy grinder. Like he he played the Rodman role he in a sense. Carved out an entire like an entire position for himself. He was that on the Suns. He was that on the Rockets. That on the Bucks. Absolutely. Number three. There goes the- and there the it goes. <laughs> Buzzer's going off. James's board finally fell. Uh, it lasted a last of damn near an hour. <laughs> Number three is three firsts by Giannis in the NBA Finals. He's the first ever 30, 10, and 5 on 60% field goal percentage in the finals. He's the first to ever have a 50.10 rebound, five block game in the NBA Finals. And he's also the first player to ever compile a most improved player, most valuable player, defensive player of the year, and finals MVP all in their career. Again, this man is 26. He's going to be adding more accolades to this uh, resume that he's already built. And, you know, it, it really, like, I couldn't feel good for Golden State when they won. Uh, I didn't really like the way, obviously, Toronto went through the Sixers. I couldn't really feel good about that either. This is the first time since LeBron won in probably 2016 where I was like, wow, like I'm really, really happy that this got for this, like beyond like for the city. I don't care about the city. They're a small market. As we said, if you're, if they're freaking three biggest buildings are the size of like a parking garage in Philadelphia, it, was tragic. it doesn't count. It was so tragic. But good for Giannis because he is a guy who has worked relentlessly on his game, never made an excuse, never ran from the grind, as Dame said. And, and he's now at the top of the hill. Good for yeah, him. I mean, it's. I'm supposed to hate it, right? I'm supposed to not want to celebrate it. Now I want to give him his props. As much as I didn't like that Monty Williams went in the locker room after game six to congratulate him, there's a reason he did it. Because, like, how could you hate on this at all? Any part of it. Like, any part of it, how could you hate on this? Eh, great for you, honestly. <laughs> all right. Number two. The number of times Tokyo has hosted the Olympics this year, 1960, this year, 2020, and in 1964 the games have begun the torch has been lit um so the official you know 2020 slash 2021 summer olympics in tokyo has kicked off um and the usa is as we always do we're looking to put up big numbers in the medal count but why are we struggling women's ball, <laughs> and what men's ball oh women's yeah soccer. yeah basketball big time struggling oh women's soccer lost three nil to who sweden that's actually a good point. I don't think there there has been a lot of like international losses recently. No, no, uh, that's not what we do. That's not what we do. 
All right, as a, a softball about to make a, a, a big time you know statement softball. here. You know we do a softball. Came, came back onto the world stage about to run up. And I'm sure the NBA finals or the, uh, the NBA finals. I'm sure the NBA talent uh, will push Team USA over the top. But uh, I, uh, I'm really intrigued. They have 3v3 basketball. Do you know that? Yeah, I like, actually originally thought that that was the only basketball going to the Olympics. And I was I almost shot a tear. Honestly, it should be like... Like there are sports like in like, uh, in swimming, there are multiple participants from a certain country. I would love, love like four T like four, three V three, like team USA teams put forth the combinations you could make from like the team USA men's team. It honestly would be really cool to watch. I'd I'd prefer to watch that where the team USA plays team USA and only certain guys get medals for winning that would be like or, pretty cool or we talk about the elder statesmen of the league when you know we get sad when lebron decides not to play anymore steph decides not to play anymore you know, players like that go play in a 3v3 man barely got to play defense all gonna run up and down the court it's all jump shots like go go why not it's really it is it is really intriguing like if you stuck joel Embiid on like a 3v3 team like I don't care if it's Cameron. You got no one. You got two dudes no, from the national team go, playing with him. Like, what well, are you doing? Three v three. Yeah, and it does level that, the playing field a lot because now teams like Greece, Giannis, and I don't care who else. Teams like Latvia, Luca, and I don't care who else. You know, did, now it's all level playing field. Now, correct. You might, you might, it would be really entertaining. I want to do it. All right, number one. The number of players to average 15 points and 10 rebounds on 65% or higher field goal percentage in their playoff debut. That is the dominator, dominating DeAndre Ayton, hey man, glad, Mr. I'm Acme Bag. I'm glad you gave him something because there, there wasn't much of a silver lining after the way that thing ended. That's Acme Ayton, baby. No bag. <laughs> no bags. Sorry, sir. I hope you brought your own bag. We don't have any. <laughs> I love him too. I really do love Aiden as a player, but like you've been you've been a a DeAndre Aiden supporter literally since the jump. Shout out your man Sean McDonough, but not Acme Aiden. Acme until he until he hits me with like a little shimmy turnaround J or something. So what's Giannis? What's Giannis? Giannis is like Giannis will get that shit straight to you. That's Amazon. Giannis, I don't even know. He is an Amazon. He's from the Amazon. Amazon. Tell you big as hell. Guess it straight to you straight in to your you. mitt. Yo, it might not be pretty. That shit at your doorstep. It might not be pretty, but that thing on your doorstep. <laughs> that shit's on your doorstep. And what you going to do with it? <laughs> yep. Oh, we're almost out of time for this episode of Straight Facts. We can get some shots about the buzzer, man. No one else here but you. You got something to say about the buzzer? It, I, I've been watching some good TV recently, man. I really don't it's like the watch. Time to get the shows off, though. This, this is the time to do it. Summertime, yeah, getting to. So I caught up. I finished Mayor of Easttown. Was pretty good. Uh, I finished Loki. Yo, if you're a Marvel, crazy. So you obviously this is a titan of intellect as far as the Marvel universe goes. You were really, really one of the first people to get me into Marvel. Like I watched the whole thing really after kind of you and I had a talk. Yeah, yeah. Watch it was there. You need to watch I heard Loki. Loki. It, it sets up. It's like a T-ball setup for the next movies that are going to come. Yeah, my barber said this. And and I have this theory out there. Don't spoil anything for me. Just, just tell me if I'm on the right track. At the end of Endgame, when they go back in time, remember when they're, when they're trying to get 
what is it, the Mind Stone that's in the scepter, they drop it, and when they have Loki in cuffs, he picks it up and disappears. And I, and I always thought in Endgame, like, that's too big of a loose end for them not to tie up, not to do anything with it. And my barber was, like, not trying to give anything, but he, he alluded to the fact of them either answering or getting to that in Loki. Oh, yeah, then one... A I'm big part of it. I am an absolute genius in Marvel. You cannot tell me anything otherwise because I knew it. And two, now I'm even more hyped. And and I will. This is the last thing I'll say. With Thanos now defeated, they introduce the next. At the end of Loki, they introduce the next big bad um, for the movies to come. They don't give people no types of rest, huh? Somebody else coming. And what's impressive to me is like. These shows, not only are they good quality, like they all are interwoven. What I'm really interested to see, how will they address? They they just did Disney Plus. They got all their new shows. How are they going to handle people who haven't watched those new shows but do come to all the movies? It's interesting because they're setting shit up, but we'll have to see. It's some good television, bro. Yeah, no, no, people, people said for me to get on it. I wasn't crazy happy about WandaVision. It, it picked up as it went on. The first episode, mm. was ugh, but like, it definitely picked up as it went on. So... Excited for Loki, and obviously can't wait to go see Black Widow. Um, actually, it's funny, me and you on the same brainwave with the uh, without the buzzer shots today, because I was literally about to talk about how it's the boring time of the year for sports, the dog day of the sports calendar, but it's the time to get the shows off now. So I'm going to finish Snowfall. I just started um, Power Book 3, which is Raising Canaan. If anyone's into Power, saw the first episode of it last week. Second episode comes out on, on Sunday. That drone went crazy in the first episode. Um, what else do I got to get to? The Wire. Got to get to The Wire. Still didn't finish Ozark, by the way. I know I'm asleep on that. Like smack in the middle of end of season two. Season oh, man. You, you, you're all sorts of caught oh, up. My, you got oh, hands and everything. So many webs, man. I got I to gotta sew a bunch of loose heads <laughs> up. And I, I don't have as long as I normally do to do it. Hey, I'm going to throw one more on the heap, though. I think I mentioned it to you before. Second season came out today. Ted Lasso. Yeah, 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 you, did. Um, you told me I'd really like it. You told me I'd really like it. That would be, it's a, it's a very easy, easy watch, like feel good, kind of like watch people grow type show. And you and it's crazy because it doesn't paint like that. It paints as this, this like really intense, like melodramatic comedy that you have to like really pay attention to. But I've heard for a couple people like, nah, it's got like a real sitcom feel to it. Like real... Yeah, you get your laughs, you get your your teary eyed moments, yeah. you get your anxious moments. I'll, it's all it's all good. Because your last um your last recommendation with Ozark, and that shit that hit on the button. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm gonna throw it in there. It's a goodie, man. But that's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. Shout out to our guys, Stat Matt Robinson and Kyle Sirik, who you heard from today. But for my guy Jake Galley, I'm still grieving, but it's football season officially now, y'all. I'm James Jackson. These have been the facts. Straight up.